All right. So welcome back to the next episode of the Quote Universe podcast. Um, I'm here today with Nick Hinton. I found him on Twitter. You can find him at Nick Hinton, and that's two E's, or two N's, I'm sorry, N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N on Twitter. And how I found him, oh, and by the way, thanks for being here today. I appreciate you taking some time because you are extremely popular in the interviews and the podcast right now. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, great I stuff. That. I've really been entertained over the quarantine with the content on your Twitter, and that has led to many more discoveries of my own. Even though I know a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of the, the time cube and the, you know, the, the cult of L and all these other things and the moon is fake, all these other things. I'm totally into this stuff, been into it for 20 years. So you took my knowledge to the next level on these Twitter uh, threads. So how I found you was the quarantine, the quarantine started to happen and not much to do. And people are, are looking online about all these things that are now opened up because I feel like at a certain time around the beginning of the year, uh, Google and a lot of these search engines, a lot of these uh, blacklisted terms were able to be looked at and people were starting to just, because they had free time, uh, get together and search terms on Twitter. You've got the QAnon stuff going on. I was getting into that as well. And so there was a few things that, that brought me, that brought your account to my attention. Uh, the first thing was, you know, the whole things with the, the Black Lives Matter, that was, uh, there was this whole thing about the black cube there that we all put up in support. And a lot of people were unaware that uh, they were basically participating, I, at least from my perspective, I thought they were, we were all participating in some kind of big Illuminati ritual. I'm, I'm spending all this time on Twitter. Um, I, I, I've never had spent any time on Twitter prior to the uh, quarantine. And so I've spent all my time on Instagram with memes and stuff like that. Well, again, I, all the stuff that people are sharing information, all the fastest sharing, I think, of information is on Twitter. The Twitter threads are something I've just now discovered in the past five or six months. And you're like the king of these threads. Like you have the best threads. Uh, and all the people, all the podcasts that are like into conspiracy theories and stuff have had you on in the past few months. And you, you've blown up. Like you, you've had like, I don't know, what, 40, 50, 60, I think you're like 100,000 followers now. Yeah, and it's all happened. At this point, it's been about a year. Um, and it all, yeah, it all started exactly like last July and pretty much blew up overnight from the Saturn thread, the original Saturn thread I did. And I gained about 10,000 followers. And I just took advantage of that momentum and started posting more conspiracies that I've been studying. And yeah, it's just been steady growth since then. It went from like 10 to 30 to 60, and now I'm at 100. Yeah, I was looking at it today. I'm like 100,000 followers. When I first started looking at your stuff here, I think it was around 60. So it's been, yeah, a whole month or a whole few months of just going down these rabbit holes of you've got threads on the Saturn time cube, which is, I think, going to be the bulk of what we're going to talk about in the book you have out. Um, you, you talk about dimensional jumpers. Did the world end in 2012? Is the moon fake? The moon rabbits? Purple rain? Again, all these things I'm familiar with. I'm going down the list of your Twitter threads, and all your Twitter threads are nicely arranged right at the top. So all the people that go to Nick Hinton, at Nick Hinton, with two ends, you go to his Twitter, all the threads are right there at the top. It's a wonderful way to spend your afternoon or maybe days, right? Because I, I, I started, you go down one, just one conspiracy thread and they lead to many more. Uh, just branching off one, you've got DMT dimension, you've got hacking the matrix, Antarctica, the North Pole, Tesla and time travel, one of my favorite ones, hollow earth, uh, the history of Tartary, the Denver airport, that's another one. So I think, I think the initial, 
post I found you on was I was doing my favorite thing, which was just search the, the ridiculousness of the Denver airport conspiracy threads. And I found the craziest thing, which was, it was you sitting in the Denver airport and then they had like the normal like feed that was going over the, the you know, like your, the baggage and the terminals and go to this place and blah, 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 the, the normal feed over the thing. And then it cuts to like, it sounds like almost demonic backwards alien talk right that's the yeah yeah so what's the story with that where you were just sitting in the denver airport yeah just sitting in the denver airport on a layover waiting to get back home because i went from california and i think i don't know i may have had multiple stops i think i might have stopped in seattle i don't know but one of my stops was at denver airport and it was at like two in the morning and i'm just sitting there you know waiting trying to fall asleep because I think my flight was at like six in the morning, which really sucked sitting for that long. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they kept doing tests all night. Like, you know, they're doing tornado warnings, earthquake warnings. And then every once in a while that weird demonic bell sound would go off and the backwards talking would start. And I was just like, what the hell is that? I mean, it sounds like it's just glitching out or something, but no, I was like, all oh, right. I, oh, I, no, dude. It gave, the first time I heard that, it gave, and I'm getting chills up my arms right now and the goosebumps because I felt like, like that was like something you caught that I felt was real and you weren't supposed to catch. You know, it was just, to me, it, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, that's glitchy, that's fake. But no, 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 no. If you know anything about what really goes on there and, you know, the deep, under, the deep underground military bases and stuff, like for me, I instantaneously knew like, wow, like who is this guy? And so that, <laughs> that initial post, on Twitter was where I found the rest of your stuff because you're just throwing out every conspiracy and you're going down as much information as you can find and you're just asking questions. And I think a lot of people, what, what a lot of people find frustrating about your threads is that you don't a lot of times come to any definitive answer, right? To a lot of these. Right. Things. Yeah. And I like that too. That's how I am. Like leave it open-ended. And so I'm, I'm searching you. And I think the, another reason why I wanted to have you on was, and I don't think, I haven't listened to all the podcasts because I think you've done at least 20 in the past like year. Because I noticed mm -hmm. that you've, been on, you've been on the big ones too. You've been on the, the Tinfoil podcast. And another guy, basically Tommy G. I discovered Tommy G also during the quarantine. He was somebody else that had stepped into the conspiracy theory spotlight big time. Uh, during yeah, I love, I love Tommy G. And actually, uh, it's funny. As soon as I posted that video, from tinfoil people or is that real and i was like no dude i swear to god <laughs> like that's that's some real shit like i don't know i just noticed a pattern like it would do it every so often and so i pulled out my camera when i felt it was coming again and yeah it felt cool to be part of the conspiracy well dude you're sucked right in there and so the thing is i'm looking at all these things you've done and i and i and i, I like to do my own little and I, I find you on instagram and i'm like oh I found the thing that I don't even think you've talked about, right? And I think this might even be a big tool because I feel like when I look at your content, you like, you like just like me in a lot of ways. And the biggest thing I found, I think the secret was the float tank. Like I found on your Instagram uh, a picture of a float tank and I could not believe it. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, not only is this guy know everything about these things and he's teaching me something because uh, you're a younger guy, you're younger than me. You're like what, college age? Yeah, 25. There you go. So he's 25 there. All right. So I saw in the float tank. So, so you're a floater, right? Yeah. And actually I'm not like an experienced floater. I've only got to do it twice because I was just getting into it right before quarantine started. Oh. And right, right, right before I moved to California. So I got really busy and um, yeah, so I've only done it twice, but the first time, 
see, I have like a really big fear of water and I'm not really sure where that comes from or why. So I was like terrified to do it the first time. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna be sitting in this dark tank of water, which I hate water. <laughs> but I just forced myself to do it and I didn't really experience anything that time. But the second time I was able to calm myself down so much that, you know, I was seeing like the little streaks of white light and, you know, an hour feels like 10 minutes. So I experienced that time dilation the second time when I was able to calm down. Where were you floating at? Um, there's a place in my hometown. Um, I live in Ohio, so there's a place like 20 minutes away from my hometown where you can float. Um, I think it's called Float Spa. It was one of those. Do you know what kind of tank it was? I think it was, um, it was like a pod, right? Yeah, it was one of the pod ones. Yeah. So did you, where did you hear about floating? Why did you get into floating? Well, number one, Joe Rogan right, and, and Duncan Trussell, I love them. And they were actually the two people who inspired me to go on this journey because I was um, landscaping every day uh, last summer before this all happened in July last year. I was landscaping every day and I was just getting sick of it. And I was like, dude, I need a job that I can use my mind. I can't be using my body all the time, destroying myself and becoming miserable. I mean, it's good, honest work. I do enjoy it still to this day, but... I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. And so I would just listen to Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell podcasts every day, all day at work. And what they made me realize was that I can literally be like these dudes. I can get paid or make a career off of just, you know, talking about the things that I actually care about. So that really inspired me to just start writing and, you know, reaching out to people and, you know, sharing my ideas. But they also inspired me to try the float tank. And, um, I was also studying John C. Lilly at the time, so he was another influence. Yeah, John C. Lilly is a is a crazy rabbit hole to go down in, in, in his own right. I mean, but uh, for me, floating has has brought all these casts of characters like you into my life, and I'm I'm so thankful that you've able to to be here. I know it was a, a lot of work to get you on this podcast. We went back and forth for probably like three weeks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm so thankful that you're finally here talking about it because I, I, again, I look at your stuff and I'm like, dude, this dude is like so much like me. It's crazy. Uh, so let's get into the book, right? The book is called The Saturn Time Cube Simulation. So tell us about that. Yeah, so basically the theory of the Saturn Time Cube comes from a bunch of weird synchronistic correlations between cube symbolism, Saturn, and the simulation theory. And basically where I draw the connections is that, you know, I first fell down this rabbit hole when I discovered like 10 years ago that there was a giant rotating hexagon on top of Saturn and scientists weren't really exactly sure why. And so I started to study, you know, Saturn and the hexagon and how all this stuff uh, relates to each other. And basically if you draw some lines on the inside of a hexagon, you get a two-dimensional view of a three-dimensional cube. So you're looking at a cube from an aerial view. And um, I'll tell you, you, that, can never, you can never unsee that once you uh, make that leap on, I always see a square, I always see a cube on top of Saturn. I don't see the, hex, uh, the, the hexagon. Right, yeah, it's really, it's really bizarre. And um, then I started to get into the mythology of Saturn, how Saturn was Kronos, the god of time. And I started researching the time, like the, the Tesseract, the actual time cube, the four-dimensional cube. And then I also started to research all these black cubes 
that are altars to Saturn all around the world in different religions and cultures. And so then I started to make the connection that, okay, what if these black cubes are kind of like that hexagon? They're three-dimensional views of a four-dimensional hypercube. And yeah, and so the fourth dimension being time, Kronos is the god of time. Um, and yeah, I'm actually standing next to a Saturn statue right now. I didn't even know I had this in my backyard. It's really weird. Whoa. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, and then if you just watch all these movies, you know, the black cube usually represents like some sort of interdimensional prison. So I started to think like, what if we are in that Saturnian simulated experience? Right. I agree. Like time is the, uh, we're in the prison of time, right? That's our enemy here, like death. And, uh, you know, we don't, nothing is uh, impermanence really. Right. So t I totally get that, 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 and I, I think, uh, you know, this, this is like a mental cage for us to break out of, right? That's what enlightenment is, is to, and, you know, Jesus on the cross is an open cube, right? Yes, exactly. So I think that's symbolic of Christ consciousness being the escape from the, you know, Satan's prison, I guess. And so that goes back to, you know, a cube is made of six faces. Saturn is the sixth planet from the sun. Uh, Saturn day is the sixth day of the week, the true Sabbath. And then it's got the six-sided shape on its North Pole, the hexagon. So you have 666 right there. And yeah, I believe that the time loop, the Ouroboros, the snake biting its own tail, is that mental, you know, prison that we're trapped in. It's You have to transcend time in order to reach enlightenment, basically. Right, the reincarnation trap you get stuck back into if you go into the white light when you die, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, the thing was, you know, and, and I've been, I've, I'm, I've been a fan of Black Cube and uh, the time, all this stuff, even before I read your book, I've been into this. And so going back, I did a little bit of research and I went back and watched all the Cube movies, right? And so I've been my, I've had my mind in the adrenochrome stuff and the deep underground military bases stuff a lot in the past few months. And I'm thinking about, I'm watching these Cube movies and I'm like, man, what if they really do have like a giant a rotating cube and you know in one of these deep underground military bases where they're just getting their jollies off torturing people or putting enemies of the state there or you know like I, I looked at the cube movie differently now that I had gone through your, your thread and really spent months you know really thinking about this subject because that you know like the d-wave quantum computer like that's a spooky one CERN is another one the crazy one that you talk about but uh, mm -hmm. they all basically are, are, are like this they all revolve around this black cube Right. Cubes within cubes within cubes. I think, I think that's the nature of reality. It's like the Buddhist or Hindu idea of Indra's net. You know, it's like a reality. Reality works like a hall of mirrors. You know, it's reflections within reflections within reflections. I don't think there's ever a way out of the simulation. But like we were saying, it's you have to transcend time and right. the illusion. The time, illusion. Time is the black cube for me. And in, in looking at my own life and like the absolute, like, I think about it like this, time and subjective experience is the time cube that you have to escape somehow. Your, your awareness, your infinite awareness is stuck in this time cube. And then the, the, the time cube actually, actually, like everything else, sits within the, the void, within the absolute. And so what you're trying to do is get outside of the cube into the absolute. And I think, which is what, you know, meditation, floating, psychedelics to a degree can get you into that space. Although psychedelics, I mean, that's, are you, do you do any psychedelics? Um, not on a regular basis. And like, I've only done them a handful of times, basically. So that's not what made me reach any of my conclusions. I basically tried them after I'd already figured out, you know, what I think is the nature of reality. So then I started experimenting a little bit. 
but well, I think, yeah, you have a whole thread on the DMT dimension, and I was wondering how much that really is. You know, is it all from personal experience, or are you kind of taking that from a little bit of your experience and everybody else's, you know, collective information? Yeah, that was mostly from collective information, you know, connecting dots between other people's research and stuff like that. I mean, I've tried DMT twice and I've only blasted off into the other place one time. And so I know that the, I know that there is another <clears throat> universe like above this one or maybe below. I don't know. I, I personally think it's a higher space because actually in um, Kabbalah, I think it is, there's a, there's a section of the tree of life called the cube of space where we exist. And in this very center, there's a place called Demut, which is D-E-M-U-T. So I was wondering, maybe DMT is one of the keys or the gateway out of the hypercube. Well, do you do the Terrence McKenna at all? Have you listened to him? Yeah, I've, I've listened to him and I have a uh, kind of a shallow understanding of all of his work, but I have a general idea. And I don't know if this is in your thread or not. I think it might even be in your thread, but basically he, he gives DMT to trained Buddhist monks, people who can get to that space naturally. And he says, what is this? What is this experience? And they're saying basically it's the outer bardo. It's as, as close as you can get to death without dying. And uh, my experience of DMT is it's basically what you're experiencing reality, your energetic state based on your beliefs, judgments, and all that other stuff, your, your internal subjective stuff, but unfiltered from your five senses. So that's been my takeaway from about five experiences and about three and three, three of those have been deep breakthroughs. The other two have been like right on the edge. But um, for me, it's like this, you're getting reality without the filters of the, you know, the five senses, putting everything together in a certain way. And then you're right. getting, go ahead. I was just going to say almost like pure consciousness. And so things are able to manifest faster and it directly correlates with your feelings and thoughts. Well, that's the thing. I had an experience one time where it's like I was in a, I was in a lower energetic state and, and the voice after the second hit was basically saying me, look, if you take that third hit, you're going to be dragged into a hell of your own creation. So think about that. Uh, you know, make, make a wise choice here. And I, I didn't do it, but uh, I, that's, why, that's what I always get from it. Wherever I'm at internally is where I'm going to end up uh, in, in, in terms of the DMT experience because... Um, it's trying to teach me something, and it's. It yeah. Wants, I think it. I, I think ultimately it wants us all to achieve some kind of uh, homeostasis, right? I mean, that's the goal of balance. Yeah, I agree. And so, I must have been in a very neutral space when I blasted off the one time that I did, because the only thing that happened was, you know, I got the, you know, everything went black. I saw the kaleidoscope explode in front of me with all the colors and shapes, and once that cleared away, I was in basically kind of looked like Super Mario Land mixed with Dr. Seuss. I don't know. I was sitting in a chair outside of my friend's porch. And then when I blasted off, I was still sitting in that same chair. But this time my friend wasn't next to me. And there was chairs going off into the distance in a circle into infinity and into the horizon. And there was purple bricks all over the ground. And there was purple mountains and purple sky. And it just looked really cartoony. And there was no beings there or anything. And it wasn't scary. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't really feel anything except for I was kind of amazed, you know, but it felt very neutral. Was that the first time or the second time you took DMT? That was the first time. The second time I did it, I was actually too scared to blast off. See, and that's, that's, why I, that's why I had to ask because most people, they do it the first time, they don't have no idea or they have an expectation, but they, even, even that expectation is usually blown away. And then mm -hmm. the second time you're apprehensive because you know the power of it. it may not, you may have, yeah, you had a great experience, but I think because you know me i'm always apprehensive and that doesn't help you know right well that's cool so 
my recommendation is, I don't know, uh, maybe try some mushrooms in a float tank next time. But uh, Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely want to experiment more with float tanks. Yeah, well, come on down here, man. Uh, we, got, uh, we got the experimentation wide open. So um, let's see. Another thing you talk about, well, this is one of my favorite ones. I, I, I talk about this endlessly is the, uh, maybe you're a fan of this too, is Project Looking Glass and the Yellow Cube. Um, that, oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of ties in there too. And so for me, I got back into, I got into Q. I, was, I wasn't into Q uh, prior to this quarantine. I was into Conspiracies Hardcore, but like right around 2016, I just let that shit go. And I, you know, I stopped looking at the media. I went, I was seeking enlightenment at a very deep level and I wasn't trying to look at the media, good, bad, or in between. And so I finally got back into it and I got into Q. And the first, the immediate takeaway for me with looking at the QAnon stuff, forget all the politics and everything was like, they're talking about Project Looking Glass. I'm like, oh shit, like this thing is real. Because I'd heard them talk about this for years prior to this, like with the weirdest stuff of like them teleporting to Mars. It's like far off shit that you can't even even can think about believing and so then right. I then I found your stuff and then I found another guy talking about the yellow cube and the Simpsons and so I wanted to spend some time talking about what do you think about project looking glass do you think that's real do you think that's real honestly yeah I, I do think it's real I think that there's a lot of technology out there that you know the public doesn't have access to or has any slightest clue about I think that they're far more advanced and that there's breakaway civilizations you know, right here on earth that, you know, are out of touch with our reality. You know, they have the deep underground bases, you right. know, right. who knows, who knows where they're chilling out at. I mean, area 51 might be a breakaway civilization or that could be a distraction. I don't know, but I do believe that there is stuff like that out there. Are you, do you think that there is an adrenochrome uh, ring and there are stuff going on in deep underground military bases? Do you think that uh, anything like that's going on? Or do you think that's a bunch of like, you know, Oh, no, I definitely believe in the adrenochrome, child sex trafficking, um, you know, Satanist, pedophile elites. I, I definitely believe in all that. I mean, it's basically proven at this point. There, I don't think there's even should be a question about it. I mean, there's weird articles on New York Times coming out where it's like, oh, if you drink blood, you can become younger. And like, yeah. they're putting it right in our faces now. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's gotten pretty blatant. Um, okay, well, that was pretty, that was pretty crazy. So another thing, like, how do you decide, like, how do you make a thread? Okay, this is just, I, I, I want to start making a thread because I realize, like, I look at you and I look at other people because I'm into the Q stuff pretty hardcore on Twitter and I find great threads, but I'm like, how do they make these threads? Like, when you make a thread, do you write the first thing last? Do you write the last thing first? Do you have something all written out already and you just transfer it over to Twitter? How do you make such great threads? Well, yeah, that's what I, I do. I write it in my notepad first and then I just copy and paste it and switch it over to Twitter and I'll copy and paste it, put it over to Reddit or Hive or whatever website I'm using. And um, basically the way that I decide is whatever I'm passionate about researching at the moment or whatever's stirring in my brain that I just need to get out because a lot of these ideas are really complex and hard to think about because there's so many dots to connect. But it's kind of almost like therapy. Like once I connect all the dots and see what I know, I'm able to kind of like let it go a little bit. You know, like it's not stirring around. I'm not trying to figure it out. Writing helps me figure it out more. Yeah, they're just, they're really good threads. It's just the right amount of information for the tweet. And they're, they're easily, they're, you basically are writing mini memes. You know, I, I, I listened to one of your other programs where I think you started out wanting to make memes uh, and, I, and I, that didn't take off for you, but then you got on the Twitter and you just started doing your thing. And I think the most important thing about you, the thing you said was you just started doing your thing, like being yourself. Yeah. Like that's yeah. me and memes. I just started being myself. The more I'm myself, the more, people like it the more people want to you know and it's i think it's the same thing with you and so 
I thought that was an interesting revelation there that just being yourself is where you found, uh, you know. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I mean, I never, I think that was a, an aspect of myself I was trying to suppress was the conspiratorial, philosophical, spiritual part of myself that, you know, the world looks at as crazy. So I was, oh, I yeah. always wanted, I always wanted to change the world in some way or like leave an impact or, you know, help people think. So at one point I thought I was going to do it through memes. I was like, okay, I can do, you know, kind of funny skits, but hide some stuff in there, you know, cause I was doing videos and just regular, you know, picture cartoon memes. And I was thinking that maybe I could just like subliminally throw stuff into those, uh, into those videos, into those pictures. But like I said, like I said, like you heard that didn't work out. So at one point I just started writing for fun to try and, you know, get all these ideas on the paper and out of my head. And I decided to post it to Twitter one random day and it just, everything started happening. When did you decide to take it over into book form? Um, basically after I just, you know, people kept asking me where they could like, if they could get all this information into one compact thing that they could just keep, people kept asking me if there was a place that they could just have it. Uh, you know, instead of having it on the internet where it could potentially disappear. So then I was like, okay, I'll just transfer it over to book form. Well, that's the thing. I've read it a few times. It's a very quick read, which is what I like about it. And it's, uh, it's not dense. It's, it's layman's. It's basically, Ooh, did I, are we still recording? Okay. Yeah. Just checking. It's in layman's terms. It's a quick read. And I, and, uh, are you still selling it? Cause I know at the time I bought it, you were, you had, I think that was your last run at the time. Yeah, you know, I keep trying to quit selling it because I'm sick of it. Like, I'm, a, I'm an ADHD type person where I just want to move on and, like, you know, I get bored of things fast, so I just want to, like, start a new project and when, once things become less exciting. So I keep trying to stop selling it, but people keep asking for it, so I keep making new copies. So, yeah, there's a, another shipment on the way to my house right now, so I do okay. – I, I will have some more <clears throat> soon here. What's the best – place because i know i just contacted you over dm which it wasn't the most you know it was very informal but uh what's the best place people can get the book if they want to get it yep that's exactly how i'm doing it just very informal like i wanted to put it on amazon but i really hate amazon they take like 75 percent of whatever you're making so i was like i'll just do it all myself i just go through a small you know local publishing company and then i mail them all out myself write the addresses on the on the packages and yeah i just, I just love stuff like this because I started with, I don't know what you, your idea was, but I, I, I wanted to kind of have this experiment where if I could, you know, can, can a bullshit thing like a meme, you know, can you change the world with a Twitter thread or a meme? And can you make any difference in the world with a, with a meme? Does it mean anything? Is, is, that, is that level of the universe meaningless? Or is there any meaning? Can anything be done with a, a pebble of sand like that? And so for me, it's proven true that uh, small things can grow into huge, huge, amazing things where I've networked with all kinds of cool people. I'm now living in a float center. And it looks like the same thing's happening to you. A guy that, you know, initially wanted to make memes is now doing Twitter threads and I do, John, the, you're on the most famous conspiracy theory podcast. I, I'll see you know, maybe a Joe Rogan in a year or some shit. You know what I mean? But uh, I, that's what I mean. The smallest seed of nothing. Now you have 100,000 followers on Twitter in like less than a year, which sometimes takes people. Twitter's a hard, and by the way, Twitter is a hard one to get people on. Like you really have, you've gone viral in a big way. Yeah. Because Twitter. That's what I heard. Yeah. All the social media things, I know it, it's really easy to, to get them on. And it, it, Twitter is not that. Twitter is the hardest one, I think, out of the, out of the big ones. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been very impressive watching you rise and, and, uh, yeah, some, some of my friends in LA were telling me, they're like, dude, I mean, why don't you move over to YouTube or TikTok or like, you know, anything else? Because Twitter's the hardest one to get on and it's, 
kind of one of the most dangerous ones to keep saying what you're saying on. So like you should, you know, move over to another platform and spread yourself out so you, they can't silence you, you know, so think, quickly or so easily. I think you should make videos and I think you should put those videos on Instagram, on every platform, but I think you should have a YouTube channel. But more importantly, I think you should have like a bit shoot channel too, where you can, cause they're going to eventually censor everything. If we're, if we, if we go in that direction, I don't think so, but uh, I think we're on the good timeline, right. In regards to project looking glass. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go I back. I agree with you. Let's go back to that. So ultimately, you're going through, we're going through the time cube simulation book, and it starts out talking about the time cube and, and the ancient stuff, and it's working toward, it works its way towards, you know, what's going on now, a AI, singularity. So what's going on now with this time cube? How is the time cube still relevant in the, you know, 21st century? So you were talking about how you're wondering if there's like, you know, these cube-like prisons, like from the movies, you know, in deep underground bases or, you know, in some... Uh, breakaway civilization or something and I think that is a possibility that they do have you know cube prisons within this cube prison you know it, I think everything's a fractal and everything mirrors itself you know as above so below so yeah I think that's a possibility that they might have these things somewhere and the the yellow cube thing is kind of similar you know they had this cube like device that was able to see in different timelines and so if those timelines exist within the yellow cube and we are existing in those timelines that they're viewing. It's it's really hard to explain, but do you see how it's like a mirror looking back at another mirror? Right. My, my, so, yeah. my understanding of Project Looking Glass and the Yellow Cube was no matter where they look through the looking glass or the yellow cube, they were they were observing two timelines that were eventually converging into one. And it was an inevitability. And uh, and we are on the other side of that inevitability now. I think we're in the the great awakening right i mean yeah let me ask you this i know that humanity is going we're undergoing but do you do you personally feel within yourself a shift into a greater awakening personally in your life um yeah i do it's it's awesome to see like you know it, the world looks kind of depressing right now but i do think that this is the timeline that's supposed to wake people up i mean everything that's happening is working against them in some way because more and more people are coming to me like the people that used to ridicule me friends and family they'll be like, whoa, did you hear about, you know, like, you know, surface level stuff. Like, do you hear about Epstein? Do you hear about, you know, the child sex trafficking? Do you hear about, oh, like Pizzagate, it's got some credibility. Like people are waking up and yeah. the people that used to not believe in any of this or think it was crazy, they're starting to ask questions. And I think that's a good sign. So the thing, of, the thing I find interesting, and again, I, I don't know, what, what was the purple rain thread about? Was that about Saturn being closer? Because one of my favorite things about it, was that about that? Like oh the, yeah, some some are mm, okay. So it deals with a bunch of different theories that I just kind of smashed together because because he, well, here's what I thought. Like uh, you know, one of the things about like the ancient Saturn cube theory is like, well, how the hell did they know there was a cube on top of Saturn, right? Until we had a right, right. So but, yeah, but so my thing is, I've always known, uh, and this comes from you know, this is you know, pseudo scientific metaphysical bullshit. But the the Akashic records and seeing Atlantis and all these things going, you know, spending time in other dimensions and other other lifetimes, I know that at a, at a certain time on this planet, Saturn was closer. Things were bigger. The sky was like purple. Um, I've read other accounts of this. And so what's interesting is if Saturn was closer, we were able, we, we could observe it, the the this 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 uh, you know cube on right. top of it. Yeah, yeah. So basically that there's the theory that there used to be a totally different cosmology or layout of the solar system 
where Saturn was the main sun. And basically people could see the North Pole because it was pointed directly at the Earth and they could see the rotating hexagon. And so that's where the worship of the hexagon came from because they thought that was God. And supposedly Saturn is a brown dwarf star <clears throat> and the light from a brown dwarf would cause um, like the chlorophyll in plants to be purple. And there's like scientific articles that talk oh, about I, how that yeah. might work. Yeah, that's that was uh that was one of my favorite things is uh it's so it was so close and that's why we worship they worship Saturn instead of you know uh, right and that's why the the royals like so I in my thread I theorize like maybe that's why the royals uh, see purple as like the royal color like their color and actually it was like outlawed at a certain point for anyone else to wear purple <laughs> robes besides the queen I remember reading that I think it probably in your thread but. Uh... <laughs> It's just crazy stuff that to this day, all three religions still have that, you know, like the, the, the Jews, what is it, the Orthodox Jews wear it on their head, right? Yeah, the black cube, they wear the Teflon on their head and around their wrist, which is like a black box that contains prayers. There's and the Kaaba, yeah. and it, um, which is that giant black cube that Muslims walk around. Um, trying to think, there, there's so many black cubes. Um, you know, they, they have like, they have them at art and art installations everywhere. Well, that, you know, from, yeah, one of my favorite ones you talk about is the one in the Vatican. Or no, you're thinking of the UN meditation room. Or the UN meditation room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the, yeah. that's the crazy one. The God of what is it? The God of everything? Yeah, the God, an altar to the God of all. The and God. then ironically, they call the D-Wave quantum computers the giant black cubes. Um, I think Gordy Rose was like, when you stand next to one, it's like standing next to an altar to an alien God. That dude's wild. He, he talks about, he talks so much shit about, you know, he's talking about aliens. He's talking about uh, quantum computers and AI being the great old ones, like, like Lovecraftian beings coming back. He talks about a bunch of different crazy ideas that quantum computers actually interface with parallel universes. Oh, and dude, dude, that's the crazy thing. Now you've never, you've never done acid, right? Um, I've done it once. Oh man, how I don't know how how big you went, but every time I go big on acid, and I don't jerk off, I am in touch with. <laughs> I, that's a big part of it, man. I'm telling you that I don't know why, but like the spirit of Steve Jobs sometimes appears even, and then I'm welcomed into like the land of Titans. A demon entity is always like contacting me when I'm really lit up on about three or four tabs of acid, and it really wants me to help it come through somehow. I'm like, bro, I'm like I don't know how to help you, and it's always dude. Maybe you're contacting that solid state intelligence that uh, that uh, John T. Lilly talked about. Oh, well, that's the thing. When, I, think, I think we're all in, in one way or the other. It's like the Satanists that go, you know, they, they go dead for a couple minutes, right? They, they, they ice themselves and they leave their bodies so they can communicate with these entities. Um, and they do it with DMT. Uh, I, maybe it's the same thing on acid, but I do, I, I feel like there's some kind of artificial intelligence that wants to come through, which is I'm trying to steer us into the next part of the conversation sensation about artificial intelligence and the ai demon and uh the black cube and cern and pulling these things through the portal of another dimension right yeah so i i mean i do believe that there's an interdimensional alien force that we call ai you know if something is devoid of true consciousness it's just pure code or you know an algorithm or whatever that would be the opposite of human life. It would be like the Antichrist because people would consider some all-knowing intelligence God. I think that's what the people in Silicon Valley who are doing acid and DMT to come up with ideas of what their next invention or innovation should be. Mm. I think that's where they're getting these ideas is from 
the Dude, solid state intelligence that John C. Lilly talked about. Steve Jobs' next computer was a black box. Yep, the next computer is a giant black cube, and that's where the internet was invented, inside of that black box at CERN. Wait a minute. Now, see, I didn't know that. Are you, are you serious? It, next, the next computer was used at CERN with, with all yep. that? I didn't know to that. Create the, to create the internet, and www, as you probably know, is va 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 or 666 in Ooh. Hebrew. Ooh, I just got chills on that one. That's a confirmed truth right there, brother. So, yeah, so the internet, in my opinion, is a sub-dimension that interfaces directly with the AI. Ooh, I couldn't agree more, man. I have some spooky experience with the internet on acid all the time. Every <laughs> I'm time, sure. Every time. It's like, it's like the, for me, could, well, the thing about acid is it's a, te- it's a, it's a, it's a drug of the, the 20th century. It's a relatively new drug. It doesn't have inside the space of its experience you know, thousands of years of people using acid like ayahuasca or mushrooms or these plant medicines. You've got thousands of years of you know, societies and, and collective experiences going into these drugs, right? So you enter the ayahuasca space and it's all kinds of jungle stuff and cats and all these things, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ketamine, acid, a lot of these 21st, 20 and 21st century drugs have no, the, in, the, the, the domain is relatively empty. Well, inside the domain of acid and from my experience and from experiences I've read, it's a, it's a 20th century drug, right? In 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s technology and so the only people that are using it are right people who are pushing technology forward people who are interested in those kind of things so i get a uh, for me uh, technology and acid goes hand in hand now the other drugs they don't seem to go together like that but i always have a tendency to want to do work with electronics more and a lot of people were rolling their eyes listening to this right now because they want to strip naked and go out in nature and that's part of it too (laughs) but i do believe that on the flip side of nature and being naked is being all clothed up in a room and uh, maybe even in front of a, a big black screen, right? The, the giant scrying mirror. And so, yeah. you know, another thing, another favorite one, and it's just so full of the black cube and Saturn, but it's just slightly off, right? You don't even know it's anything about it if you don't know anything about this, is 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is they replaced the black cube with the monolith, which is a giant rectangle. And then they've got, instead of Jupiter, you know, this was a big thing. They, they say when they made that movie, oh, they couldn't get the special effects but yeah, I, they want they wanted Saturn. They couldn't they couldn't create the rings the right way or something, so they changed it to Jupiter. Right. So that's always been a big thing for me was two thousand and one, and it's a cult meaning that uh, I do believe that it's like a, almost a literal thing of like we there were these things out there. Uh, there was a literal thing on the moon. Uh, I don't know if you believe it. I do that there are stuff on the moon now. There are bases, and uh, we I don't know if we're sharing space with aliens there or not. But uh, now you've got a whole thing about moon rabbits, obviously, and the moon is fake. Like, what's your what's your like out of all this research? Because because some of these things don't mix with each other. Like, what's your take on the moon? Well, I wanted to add something real quick about the the cubes within a cube thing because we were sure. talking about the the internet. So if we're not already living in a giant black cube, then you know, eventually they want us to be. I think that they're trying to hook us up to the internet, you know, and download our consciousness into computers eventually far from the future. And then we'll exist in the internet, in that black cube at CERN. And um, so, yeah, if we're not already existing in one, then we soon will. Or that's what the singularity point is, is where the pattern repeats itself. We'll be in a cube within a cube within a cube. Just like, you know, the Buddhist conception of reality, which is Indra's net, you know, the mirror, the mirrors looking at other mirrors you know, consciousness is infinite and it's a strange loop. But um, yeah, the moon rabbits does tie into the, into the Saturn theory um, because in the Saturn theory, the moon is actually what is amplifying the frequencies coming from Saturn to mess with our perception of reality. Oh, oh yeah, and, yeah. That's and, a good and put a, 
yeah, and put us in that perceptual box. And ironically, some psychologists use a model of the brain that is a 4D cube. They, they say that the mental space is like a four-dimensional cube. So, um, yeah, the, the, moon, the moon rabbits thing, the moon being fake, um, like I said, I think it is amplifying the frequencies coming from Saturn. And actually, if you take a low-frequency sine tone and play it in a medium, you know, like sand or water, it'll actually create the shape of a hexagon. So I think there's a low frequency sine tone coming from Saturn. The rings are kind of like an antenna and it's shooting them at the moon and the moon is redirecting it directly back at earth. Dude, the, devil, the devil's sending us the signal from Saturn. Yeah. And, and sine wave is also sin on a calculator. You know, we die because we're born into sin. We yeah. die because we're born into time. And if you take the sine wave, you turn it on its side, it looks like a dollar. You know, time is money. Money is time. It looks like a serpent. Dude, <clears throat> these are some of the connections in my book and or in your book that I like. Wow, like it's the little things that really go to make it all like it's the devil in the details for sure with this book. I love all yeah. the details about um this like the dollar. I never thought about the dollar bill or the dollar sign like that, which is sign away with a line through it. It just totally makes sense. It's all symbology, man. Mm -hmm. The code of the matrix is literally right in front of our eyes at all times. You just have to open your eyes and see it. But so the, the moon rabbits thing is basically in like Chinese mythology, I think that's where I started off is that there's this entity. It's like a trickster demon rabbit that, that lives on the moon and it's constantly, um, you know, creating the elixir of life. It's churning or it's using a mortar and pestle to pound, pound out the elixir of life. I probably should have worded that a different way. People are going to laugh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And so that, that directly ties into that. The moon is a soul trap theory because why are people being dragged towards the moon after death is because they want to siphon the energy that you've accumulated over your lifetime and turn you into the elixir of life. They need our life force to live. And so I think that's where they're harvesting energy at. Right. And yeah. Yeah. The loose. Yeah. Loose. Yep. And if you look at, um, you know, the energizer bunny rabbit, it looks like it's pounding on a, you know, kind of like mortar and pestle, it's pounding on that drum, powering a battery because we are the battery. Or like, um, you know, Donnie Darko features the trickster demon rabbit. Oh, yeah. Trick, trick cereal. Yeah. Um, even, the, even the Easter bunny, because I believe Easter was originally the worship of Ishtar, where they dip eggs in blood as an offering. And, you know, so now we dip eggs in ink. But the moon has also been tied to... You know, in certain mythologies, the moon was an egg that they cracked open and emptied out. Um, and then... Is the moon hollow? You know, I think the moon's hollow. I mean, there's scientific evidence to support that claim. But also, um, the moon being, you know, tied to the the woman's menstrual cycle when their eggs drop. And month, I think, comes from the word mense. Or, you know, it, it all ties... Like, I'm not, I'm not well-versed in all of this etymology but it all ties back to eggs and the moon and rabbits and like just really strange stuff i mean if you play the new super mario game super mario odyssey there's literal demon rabbits that come from the moon and help bowser <laughs> well that was the thing yeah the, the the chinese didn't they send their lunar up there or their their uh their lunar rover that was jade rabbit or something Oh wow! I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Oh yeah, that's I, I twice. No, that's what I knew because I'm upset. I'm a cancer, so that's my my my. What's your sign, by the way? Scorpio. I was born oh. an eclipse. I was born oh. an eclipse. So I'm Scorpio sun, Scorpio moon, like Scorpio everything basically. Damn. 
damn dude okay but you're a water sign like me then so yeah so the moon yep. the moon is my you know astrological planet and so i've always been drawn to the moon and so i know a lot about the moon and so yeah the 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 the, the thing they sent over there is called the jade rabbit and her and the, so the whole chinese thing they're obsessed with the moon too because they have this mythology of the jade rabbit that, that's supposed to live on the moon so yeah look into that one but uh we don't got all the time in the world here. So I want to get hit a few more things while we still have a little bit of time. So I have this other theory and, and you have this theory too. And I kind of, I needed the looking glass to be real to prove this theory. And I'm not going to get into it too much because this is a long one too. This is another branch off the cube, but uh, the Simpsons in yellow cube and Matt Groening as a Freemason who had maybe either had access to looking glass technology and, uh, or had somebody who had given him all the info off of it to just make the episodes. What do you, t what do you make of that? Do you think that Matt Groening had any access to any Project Looking Glass materials? Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility that he was, you know, instructed exactly what to put into his cartoons. I mean, there's already proof that the CIA basically has infiltrated most of entertainment industries and tells them what to put in there. And so, it's either they're trying to manipulate the timeline through subconscious suggestion, you know, make us create the reality that they want help. Right. Like, you know, they want to shift us onto their timeline by, you know, brainwashing us with their version of the future. Or well, yeah, it's, it, I think that's how predictive programming works. You know, everyone watches the same movies and. Well, that's the thing with, you know, another thing I learned over the quarantine was metaphysical consent. I didn't know about this, but it makes total sense, which is like, okay, these people, these supposed Satanists are aware of karma. They don't want to, you know, pay their, you know, they don't want to pay that price. So what they do to kind of negate it, and I think you've talked about this in interviews, and it's interesting, is they just put it out there. And by you, you know, even if you're unconscious, you're accepting their metaphysical programming and you're accepting it. And so when they do enact coronavirus or detention camps or whatever, you are, you know, although you may not be aware of it, you've consented to a degree and they've negated their karma. Do you believe in that? Yeah, I, I forget exactly what that is called. The law of, man, I can't remember. It's the law of something, but yeah. I, I think something? No, 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 no. Um, That's a different Re revelation, revelation of the method. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and so oh. basically they put the... They put the truth in plain sight. So if we don't fight against it, it's not technically our fault. They're not manipulating our free will. We basically consented to let them do whatever they wanted because the information was all right there. You yeah. know, it was our it was our own fault for not figuring it out. I saw that one day in a YouTube video comment. It was called metaphysical consent, and the guy talked all about. It. I'm like, oh shit, he's totally right. You're just by going and buying your ticket and sitting down and watching it. You're letting it. Uh, you know, you're kind of consenting to it in a weird way. Right. So I think it could be all of the above. You know, it could be revelation of the method could be predictive programming well, that too yeah they want to they want to guide you into the, the that well that's the thing it's like okay we look at the looking glass we make certain moves and we can guide society towards these directions which we want them to and so we need to put this into the culture to negate our karma and to also to guide society in a certain direction i totally right exactly I totally love it. I totally get it. So, I'm, you know, the thing is, Q, it, the only way Q can be real for me is if Project Looking Glass is real, because that's the only way these predictions have come true in a weird way on, on a weird timeline of prediction. So, are you, yeah. you, do you get into that at all, or you just skim the surface of Q? Um, I skim the surface of Q. I don't look for any outward saviors, you know, external saviors. I don't, I'm not really sure what I believe about it. It could be a psyop. It could be the truth. I like it. Yeah. yeah, it could be, could be both, you know. I mean... I think something good might come out of it, but who knows? They, they could be, you know, the powers that be or the programmers of the simulation, whatever you want to call them, they could be 10 steps ahead. And they're like, oh, these people are going to wake up. They're going to need, you know, a Pied Piper to, to lead the way. So well, that's, that's you know, what 
I'm glad you said that you're your own savior, basically, because that's the truth. At the end of the day, all the takeaways I've had from psychedelics floating and everything else have been, I'm the, the cause of all this in a weird way. And I'm also the one that can save myself anytime I want. Like grace is always available. And I like that this, where this book ultimately goes, it, it goes out of, uh, you know, almost, I guess, transhumanism and AI demons to uh, enlightenment and escaping the simulation. So how do we get out of this? How do we escape the simulation? Honestly, I think the answer is just Zen. Um, but I mean, I still pray to Jesus. I still believe in, there's a part of me that still really believes in Jesus Christ and God. But I do love the idea of Zen and just shutting off the analytical mind, shutting off that time loop that plays in your head. You know, your subconscious mind is literally just a program repeating over and over and over again. And I think that's a smaller time loop within the greater time loop that we all exist in. And so to me, escaping the wheel of reincarnation or karma or whatever you want to call it is just learning to let go and just let things be don't analyze everything don't you know a lot of us suffer more in our imagination than we actually do in real life and okay. so if you just look at things for the way they are you know you're not so concerned with aliens and ai and, and, and demons and you know well that's because the, you know yeah i think the, i think the ultimate conspiracy is being obsessed with conspiracies you know eventually i want to get out of this um line of work but right now it seems kind of like a moral obligation yeah to, to put out exactly what i know until there's nothing left for me to do but well you you, yeah. help, you help awaken a lot of people because just the uh, just the slightest uh you know you get into one of those threads and you'll you'll you know not me i've learned like a lot of that stuff but I, again you've given me like 25 percent new things which led to a million billion new, new other things branching but people get just a little taste of this stuff and then they start to see the whole picture because what happens if you tell somebody a conspiracy theory and they've never heard any of these things is they have one piece of a puzzle that is massive. It's a massive, right. and it's, but they're all interconnected. And so somebody like me or you who's been in this a while and knows all the things, we already know what the big puzzle picture is going to be, right? We can see what it's going to be at the end. We may have a big chunk of it missing even, but we can still kind of see the big game. And for most people, they have like three or four pieces of like a 500-piece puzzle. And they don't even know what the hell it is. Honestly, I don't think it ever ends. The rabbit hole will never end. You can find more and more and more and you can see forever. Well, well, that's the thing too. You know, you get to the edge of the universe and it just keeps creating itself, right? I totally agree with that. And that's, so that's yep. like, to, to, to take a spiritual turn here, I think that's where I was a couple of years ago, which was, this was pointless. The deep state's in control. It's a machine bigger than anybody can do, uh, do it alone. And I'm just going to let this go because uh, when I look at my local reality, what's in front of me, I'm blissed out when I want to be and when I can be, uh, you know, when I dial into conspiracy theory stuff, I get all sweaty and I get fearful and I, I think about dark things and my mind is, you know, unfortunately my mind has been filled with adrenochrome for like four months now. And those are not pretty pictures. A lot of that. Right. Stuff. So it's, you know, but now I'm in the state of, you know, this was years ago, I couldn't do this, but now because of floating and all the stuff I've done, I'm able to hold these dark concepts in pretty good balance with the light and bring it into the light. And you're, you're doing the same thing. Like you're helping, um, wake up a lot of people fast and um, like that's brave to do by the way because a lot of these things are on the edge of like making you look crazy or maybe somebody come in and want to kill you so I, I big shout out to you because one thing about Twitter I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid of Twitter uh, Twitter is one of those places if you say though if you just say just the wrong thing a whole mob will come after you and you're canceled so All right that's another thing like Twitter's the hardest place to get a foothold if you're not uh, you know, doing the right thing at the right time and, or if you're not a blue check or something. So like, it's impressive to see you work on Twitter, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. 
I mean, yeah, I honestly just take the mindset that everything's okay. I mean, I just don't worry about, I think people who become obsessed with censorship end up censoring themselves through, you know, the power of manifestation. Like the more that you focus on something and give your attention to it, the more likely it is to appear in your life. And so people that are constantly like, oh my God, they're going to censor me. Like, yeah, you're probably going to be censored because it's all you think about. And so the, yeah, you're changing that reality. Now, are you a reality transurfer? Um, yeah, I, I guess in some ways, yeah, I haven't used it that much, but I do believe at one point I definitely jumped because I mean, the, the life I'm living now is a 180 from what I was doing before. But I mean, are you familiar with that book though? That book reality? Yeah. Tra- yeah. Re- okay, yeah. Okay. Reality transurfing where you slowly branch off into new timelines, different right. probabilities. You're, you're pulling from the space of variations, right? Which is basically the void of infinite possibilities to you know, your whole, you know, it's the law of attraction, but it's, here's, here it is. It's the law of attraction, but it's like a technical manual for it. Because if you just read the law of attraction books, they're bullshit. Um, But I can break the law of attraction down to you in about two seconds here. Hold the image of what you want in your mind, right? Really strong every day as as much as you can. But the most important thing is, which which is the hardest thing is to hold that electromagnetic energy in your heart of having already achieved said goal or results, right? That's really the hard part. I can imagine having a million dollars. Energetically, it might take me a lot of, it's going to be a big leap to get there to think I really have it, right? Because how do I, oh, I didn't earn it. I don't have the technical ability or I don't, you know what I mean? I don't have said skill or it's not my exactly. Time. It's not my and time. You got you, you to start off with smaller goals first. Like, you know, be, like, can I make $10,000? Can I make $20,000? And your, your, your belief will increase as you achieve those smaller things and eventually get totally. to a state of belief where yes. it becomes easier. Yeah, start leapfrogging into the next thing. But yeah, you, you, you got to make a dollar first before you make that million. And so you got to go out there and, uh, you know, s- scrape some stuff together. But yeah, so I'm glad that you know about reality transurfing because that's another thing that comes up with my audience a lot too. Right. And I know you're like, you, you talk about dimension jumping a lot. And uh, we already kind of like know what that is. We kind of just talked about that. Like, do you have any other advice for people who are trying to jump into another dimension? Um, honestly, I think dimension jumping is kind of dangerous. So, so, so no, really? I've talked to, yeah, why, I have a, why do you think it's uh, dangerous? Just because if you're not super mentally stable, you can easily end up somewhere where, you know, you create a negative outcome on accident because if your mind is not completely clean and only holding the idea of exactly what you want, you could easily jump to somewhere that's less favorable than your current circumstance. So honestly, I think you shouldn't take shortcuts like that unless you're like a freaking Buddhist monk. But Buddhist monks don't use those powers because they don't care anymore. Like, um, you were ta- you're talking about law of attraction and stuff. Like, yes, that's all fine and dandy. And like, it's good to achieve your goals. But those just create new time loops. Like, even if you're putting new information into the time loop and creating a new reality for yourself, that's better. You're trapping yourself in a new trap. Like the Zen masters say, nothing to lose, nothing to gain. So eventually at a certain point, you're going to want to just stop thinking altogether. You know, yeah. just clear your mind. You're creating, but yeah, so, you're creating karma. But I do, yeah. But I do believe that, you know, for soul development, you do have to have an, a healthy ego. So go chase your dreams, go achieve your goals. But at a certain point, those things will stop making you happy too. So it's, you just have to learn to be content and happy with the moment. Well, that's it. That's it. Yeah, learn to be present because uh, that, that eliminates a lot of uh, the depression of the past and the anxiety of the coming future. Cool, man. Well... Dude, I, I, we, we've covered so much so fast, and I'm glad we did because we didn't spend, I didn't spend a lot of time talking, which is I, I wanted to do. Um, there's so much more we could talk about, but the, the audience is really familiar with this stuff, so there's not a lot of like exposition we needed to do. 
what did you think about the Black Lives Matter, the Black Cube psyop? Did you think that was a psyop like me, or did, did you did you totally catch on to that when they first started doing that, like knowing what you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the people who are involved in Black Lives Matter have their hearts in the right place, but I me think too. that they're. I think that they're being manipulated and that the movement is being infiltrated by, you know, chaos agents, just like any movement, this always happens. And um, yeah, I think it, they're trying to create more division in the world. And yeah, I do think that when this all began, it was part of a giant Saturn ritual. It's the black squares posted everywhere, all over social media. I know there was a drone flying over, um, what, what city did this all start in? Minneapolis? Yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah, so there's a drone flying over Minneapolis the day it started, going in a hexagonal pattern the whole day. And, you know, some people will say, well, there's a reason for that. That's how they have to move. But I just still find it strange. You know, that's where all the chaos started. And it started in the month of June, you know, Gemini month, the, the Twin Cities. You know, it's, it's all really weird. And oh, so dude. either yeah, yeah, either it was coordinated that way or it synchronistically happened through the power of the Matrix or, you know, I think. I, that's how I look at conspiracies too. That's why I don't ever come to any definitive answers because, you know, things could happen coincidentally because that's just how the universe works. It works yeah. off coincidence and meaning. So well, yeah, I don't, it's always trying to trick you too. In my experience, the universe is always wanting to yeah. trick you, have a little laugh. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a fun game. I think we're just all collectively facing our shadow right now. Well, dude, that's you know, the thing, dude, that's the thing. I think that you're there. You're almost close to it though. I don't know how much work you think you need to do. But I'm telling you, man, when you do do the work and you balance things out and you're, you know, it, it's sitting in the light pretty much, it does become a fun dance. Like my life has become a fun dance. It was not a fun dance for a long time, but uh, it is slowly but surely. And I'll tell you this, I don't know about you, but this uh, quarantine has been nothing but silver linings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, pros to being, you know, social distanced from your friends and stuff. I mean, it's it's not always fun, but yeah, there's a lot of productive things that we have a chance to to do right now. You know, a lot of inner work and a lot of just things around the house that you haven't had time to do. Yeah. So the, well, I guess a couple last questions here. Again, going back to your threads. Another one was this is another one. Did the world end in 2012? This is an interesting one because recently they've said that they think the world that that the, the 2012 date, December 21st, was actually wrong. It was like right now was the actual time of the actual end of the Mayan calendar. And so uh, I had a lot of things happen to me in 2012, but you know, let's, let's hear what you have to think. Cause that's a big thing for you in this matrix uh, or in this uh, black cube uh, thing too, as well, that uh, did the world end and was our consciousness transferred somehow? Yeah. Well uh, in the yellow cube thing, I believe they saw the timelines. I think they saw the universe being destroyed because right. they, because they kept using time travel technology and messing with timelines, causing them to all collapse. And that's why they turned off the yellow cube, supposedly. And um, and then I, you know, Terrence McKenna, he said that you know, that time wave zero would hit in 2012. There's the people involved in the Montauk project that said they were trying to look into the future and they couldn't see any futures past 2012. And then, like in my thread, I talk about how in 2012, July 9th or July 4th, I'm not sure. I I forget the exact date, but. Um, they found the Higgs boson, the God particle, which Stephen Hawking warned could destroy, you know, the universe and cause a catastrophic vacuum decay. So what if CERN is an offshoot of the Project Looking Glass technology slash yellow cube technology that they, you know, some rogue people went and recreated it and maybe they ended up destroying the timelines and we moved over to a parallel universe where things are slightly different, hence the Mandela effect. And 
yeah, so I do think the world ended in 2012. And actually, and we moved over into a new different type of reality. I think we used to live in a singular timeline. Now we live in many timelines. I think we moved over to a new quantum reality where things are a little bit more fluid, hence the age of Aquarius. But what is weird to me is that I just watched um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And the movie is literally about a bunch of giant black cubes come down, destroy the Earth. And they destroy it because they want to build a hyperdimensional highway, which I thought was interesting. And you could try and figure out the symbology there. But at the end of the movie, they create a second Earth. And I was just like, dude, that is exactly the Saturn time cube theory mixed with my 2012 theory all in one movie. And I had never even watched it until a few days ago. Oh, a few days ago? Yeah, I had never seen it. Damn. I, well, the thing is, too, I get everybody, I, everybody's like, read the book, read the book. I, I haven't seen the movie either, but uh, I, so I got to do that, too, now that you've, you've told me that. Did you ever watch uh, Devs on Hulu? Yeah, I love I love Devs. Yeah, it's all about the yellow cube. Yeah, well, that's literally, thing. it's like it's a mix of yellow cube and looking glass. It's like they've kind of did it. They pushed them all together there. And they're like literally in like a yellow and black cube while they're watching this stuff. It's like the craziest thing. But uh, yeah, they're looking into the future in this giant yellow cube quantum computer. Exactly. So, yeah. So the world ends in 2012. Our consciousness shifts over to what are we now? Just on a, a parallel reality. Then we're just we're just slightly different. Just everything's just a little bit different, which would explain the Mandela effects. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I believe. And, and like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't ever say anything's for sure because number one, your beliefs create your reality. And number two, I just don't think we can ever really prove anything metaphysical. So I, I just like I just love Socrates and how he says, you know, that you should just, you know, the wisest man knows that he knows nothing. And <clears throat> that's kind of the stance I take. Or like Robert Anton Wilson, live in a state of agnosticism, extreme Gnosticism. You know, he's agnostic towards every belief, but entertain all beliefs, but don't believe any of them for 100% fact, because then you limit yourself. That's where I'm at. In, in doing all these psychedelics <clears throat> and floating, I've realized that uh, Earth isn't flat. It isn't uh, even round or spherical. It's like some, some kind of realm, right? That is, Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think what our collective belief is held at is what is imposing the shape of the earth meaning i'm in the reality now where possibly the earth is a globe because the collective consciousness which is creating the bigger experience of the sphere and space and all these things not my local reality but the large reality we all collectively believe in globe whereas if we were on another timeline with another collective belief we may be on some kind of flat plane right yeah no i'm totally with you there i think at one point it may have been flat and then it became round and now we're living in many earths Right. Because of, the new, because of the new quantum belief system that people are slowly becoming adjusted to through television and science and all that. You know, I think, I think we're slowly creating the perfect model of the universe. And we finally come up with the perfect model of the universe. The universe will adjust to that because we're all creating it together. Yeah, I listened to your other podcast, by the way, and it was a... It was just a slice of life of different people interviewing you. It was really from tinfoil all the way down to... I mean, some of the stuff was... So the audio was so rough, I couldn't really listen to some of it. But uh, you've really been around the block here in the past six months, man. Yeah, man, it's been wild. Most people I type into iTunes and I, you know, to, to look up an interview or two, I see like maybe one or two things. You have like, I, you must have had at least 10, maybe more than that, at least. Yeah, I'm honestly not even sure how many it is at this point. I used to have a website where I archived all of them, but I kind of lost track and ruined my website. So I need, I need to fix that. <clears throat> Cause I'm going to need one soon, probably. But, right. um, 
Oh, the last thing I basically was going to say was this, like, I believe I was really struggling with this for a long time. I, you know, I started to do acid heavily in 2016. And this was right around the time the wackiness of the Donald Trump being elected and all these things like I was thinking, you know, and the Mandela effects, every time I would do acid, every single time I would come to a reality where there was more Mandela effects, even more like it, it, my original reality I've started from in maybe when I started doing psychedelics heavily in 2016. I'm so deviated from that reality now. Um, I'm coming back to where it's the original thing, I think, sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I've come from the four people in the car, in the Kennedy car. You know what I'm talking about? There was four people in the car, right? Kennedy, his wife, the driver, and the governor, right? Now, mm -hmm. now we're in the six people in the car reality, right? Now, which reality are you from? Are you in the, are you in the six people in the Kennedy car re reality, which is the one we're in now? Or are you in the four people in the car reality? You know, because in the six people car reality, the magic bullet will definitely not work. It doesn't work in the four car reality, but it definitely doesn't work in the six car or six people in the car reality. Honestly, I, I never paid too much close of attention to really have an opinion on that, but I definitely have noticed a lot of flip flops. You know, like I've watched Fruit Loops change well, that's a bunch of thing. times. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like people are getting the thing. The thing is where you know your Mandela effect is the something that you've had a hard on for for like your whole life, and that's where people get the Berenstein Bear thing. For me, mm -hmm. my whole life is like it's spelled this way, and I don't know how to say it. And now it's spelled this way, and I do know how to say it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've struggled with that my whole life, and so that's why I take it back to the Kennedy thing. I've been a Kennedy assassination aficionado my whole life, and so. I'm telling you, one day I took acid and I appeared in a reality, which I'm in now, where there are now six people in that car. There's more than the Zapruder tape, right? I was in a reality where there only existed the Zapruder tape. Now there's more than the Zapruder tape exists. It's the weirdest thing. And it also happens with floating too. And John Lidley talks about this a lot, waking up in an alternate reality, just slightly. Wow. And the, well, the thing is too, I think it comes from stillness and peace. And you are so still and at one with the universe that you can notice the small, the small changes because some people, most people are so unconscious with the levels of what's going on in their mind. They, they, the, the volume is so loud and the, it's the, the computer of their mind is running so slow that they don't notice the synchronicities. They don't notice the Mandela effects that are right in front of their faces sometimes because their mind is just full of pop-up windows for porn and stuff and fast food and, and yeah, different the, tabs are open. <laughs> all the tabs are open. And so I tell people floating is like getting in there, looking at your mind and saying, wow, I've got a million tabs open here. I can close them all or as many as I want and I can examine things. So I mm -hmm. encourage you, man. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a float when, uh, when the things open back up, uh, wherever you're at. But uh, oh, yeah, definitely. And definitely have to do this again. So, you know, I guess. We'll, we'll, we'll cut it there because we've basically hit a, a lot of these things. You can't go too deep into them because they are, like you said, infinite. But I appreciate your time today. And I always appreciate your content, man. It's, it's, it's nice to know that there's fellow floaters out there that are like at this level of seeing reality, right? Because you really have to be awake to catch some of these things. It, but it's right in front of your face, which is the interesting thing. As soon as you wake up, you're like, oh, shit, this thing was like right in front of my face the whole time. Right, right. So any last words, Nick? Um, what was that? You know, anything you just wanted to say in imparting, you know, any last words? Honestly, no. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I know you're talked out, but, uh, well, again, it's Nick Hinton on Twitter, N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N, two N's. Okay. I guess I have one thing. Um, I guess there'll be a new thread tonight and I'll be coming out with a new book soon and I'll be doing, um, I'm, I am switching over to YouTube. I am having a friend 
in the YouTube community helped me get a channel up. So Later. those are some things. So those are some things to look forward to. And, and, and I, you know, I also encourage you to make memes because I don't think you realize this, but I will help you maybe realize this. But a lot of the things, a lot of those can be memes already, right? A lot of the, a lot of the, I just take a, a chunk of the thread, right? And just one picture or two, and that's a, a story within itself. And it's sometimes a meme. So you just add a little humor to that. You're already there. Right, right. Yeah, I do think I'm, I think I finally have the platform where I could make memes and they would work. Well, that's the thing, man. And you got, you got me now and you got a lot of other people. I'm sure you've got Tommy G, you got uh, tinfoil hat. You got so many people that are like way up there, bro. It's so cool, man. Yeah. It's really weird that, you know, I used to think it was impossible to work my way up to this world, but you know, anything's possible. And if you do check out my YouTube channel, which is just Nick Hinton 33 with two ends, I, I think, I don't know. I, I need to get more on top of things with that. Well, that like that's I said, I'm good. Like I said, I'm going to be working on that. But I have vlogs where my first vlog ever, I tell people, this is like July last year. I'm like, hey, I'm going to do a manifestation blog where I prove that the power of the mind is real and I'm going to achieve my goal of becoming like, you know, some philosopher or something like that. Well, no, I heard and, you said, what, no, you said, I heard in one of your interviews, you said you wanted to become viral. Yeah, I, yeah, that was like the main thing. I wanted to go viral, but I, I wanted to go viral in order to create a platform for myself to become you know, somebody, I don't know whether to consider myself. A, 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 you did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely did it because I'm telling you, like it, I see, I could see your perfect case of internet virality where it was like, you jump from one guy to one guy to one guy to one guy, just the Twitter and just exploding. And now, yeah. Cause the thing is, if you st do stuff on Instagram, I can, I can now you like now people in the community know you're who you are on Instagram too. Like, cause the thing is there's sometimes a big divide between Instagram and Twitter. Um, some people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some people play exclusively on one and not on the other. So yeah, man, come on down to Instagram town. We'll get you going with some memes and some high consciousness, high vibe and float tank. Good stuff, man. I appreciate your time. God bless you, Nick, man. God bless you too, man. Thank you. Brother. Yeah, man. I guess uh, I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. Thanks for listening and uh, go check Nick out. Buy the book. The book is the, t the Saturn Time Cube Simulation. It's a small, wonderful book. It's worth it. Support your local artist. He's not doing Amazon. Just give him a, a, a DM or a, a shout out on Twitter, and I'm sure he'll send you the right kind of information to buy it. So again, the, it's the Saturn Time Cube Simulation. Follow on uh, Twitter, uh, Nick Hinton, two N's, uh, N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N. -N. Uh, and thanks again, Nick, and you guys have a great rest of your afternoon.